today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So we had this cutoff point. And as you get older, that cutoff point gets earlier, you know, because <laughs> bedtime gets earlier, hopefully. So we always will now discuss and pray and talk about those weighty issues when the timing is right. And that's in the morning when His mercies are new every morning. This is discernment. It comes with spiritual maturity. It comes with experience. You discern the time and use your judgment. Timing is everything. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Timing is everything. As you listen to today's message with Pastor J.D., he teaches you the importance of waiting on God's timing, especially when it comes to weighty issues within your relationships. Pray and ask the Lord to give you the discernment to know where He's leading. Follow His voice and His timing. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We have made it all the way to the book of Ecclesiastes. Last week we finished chapter 7, and tonight, Lord willing, we will finish chapter 8. Let's jump in, verse 1. Who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face is changed. I say, verse 2, Keep the king's commandment for the sake of your oath to God. Do not be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand for an evil thing, for he does whatever pleases him. Where the word of a king is, verse 4, there is power. And who may say to him, what are you doing? (laughs) You're going to question the king? What's Solomon talking about here? Well, it almost could rightfully be seen at first read as self-serving because Solomon himself is a king. And so he's basically saying, respect the authority of the king, and rightfully so, as the king. And isn't it true that we live in a day and age, we're always, as we get older, saying of the younger generation, they, they, they have no respect for their elders anymore. And that's true in large measure. But there is something to be said about respecting authority and not questioning authority. Well, wait a minute, one might say, what about if it's unjust? What if it's a wicked rule, those who have been put in those positions of authority, and they abuse their authority. Well, don't worry, we're going to see that here in a moment. Solomon will address that. Verse 5, He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment, because, verse 6, for every matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery 
of man increases greatly, for he does not know what will happen. So who can tell him when it will occur? Did that make sense? What is he saying? What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about timing. You know how we say timing is everything? That's true. And what he's saying is there is a time and there is a judgment and a wise man's heart will discern whether or not this is the right time. So again, I'm going to be using, I guess, a couple of parenting illustrations from my own godly parenting as a godly father to my children. (laughs) Is there a lightning bolt coming down anywhere? (laughs) And I was just having this conversation with my daughter, and, and I just, you know, told her, I said, you know, I know that we're not the best parents. I mean, we're not the worst parents either. To which she said, you're not? I said, no. I, said, no. I, said, I, I know we could always do better. We're not perfect, but we really do try to do the best we can. Parenting is not easy, right? I, I like to say it like this, parenting is not for wimps. I've started and owned and operated businesses. I've planted and pastored churches. And combined, it does not equal the difficulty of parenting. Maybe I just speak for myself. But one of the things we've always tried to teach our children is that timing is everything. They come to us, there's a time, (laughs) you know, discern, use judgment, use good judgment. You know, uh, maybe this isn't a good time. It's not. Wait because timing is everything. Let's uh, bring it into the marriage relationship. When my wife and I were first married in our younger years, (laughs) we would find ourselves having marital conflict. Now, as you've probably heard as a pastor, we don't call them arguments. We call them intense fellowship. But there are those moments where we have those disagreements and those conflicts in our marriage. Not so much anymore. Not because we're so spiritual. It's because we just don't have the energy anymore. You know, as you, as you get older, it's just kind of like, you look at the thing and you think, nah, it's good. It's, we'll just let it go. I, you know, back in my younger days, you know, I, man, hey, let's, we're doing this. We're doing this. As you get older, it's just like, Nah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's all right. But we made a decision in our marriage, and it was probably one of the best decisions we ever made concerning our marriage. And that decision was that we would never discuss weighty issues, heavy matters, in the evening when we're tired. Because invariably it would always end unnecessarily in a conflict. So we made an agreement. Now, we wouldn't let the sun go down on our anger. You know how that is, right? So we would always just, okay, we're going to agree to disagree. In the morning, God's mercies are new every morning. 
we've had a good night's sleep, we rise up early in the morning, we spend time with the Lord, and it's a whole fresh perspective. You know what's interesting about that? You wake up in the morning, and it's kind of like, wait, what were we arguing about? What? Come on! Are you kidding me? But see, at night, it was like, no way! Way! No way! Way! You're so tired and exhausted, and everything is magnified. So we had this cutoff point. And as you get older, that cutoff point gets earlier, you know, because <laughs> bedtime gets earlier, hopefully. So we always will now discuss and pray and talk about those weighty issues when the timing is right. And that's in the morning when His mercies are new every morning. This is discernment. It comes with spiritual maturity. It comes with experience. You discern the time and use your judgment. Timing is everything. Verse 8, here it is. No one has power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit. And no one has power in the day of death. There is no release from that war, and wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. All this I have seen, and applied my heart to every work that is done under the sun. There is a time in which one man rules over another to his own hurt. There it is. He's speaking to those who are in positions of authority that abuse their authority, they do so to their own peril. There will come a day when they will realize that if they rule over another unjustly, they do so to their own hurt, their own peril. Verse 10, this is interesting. Then I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of holiness, apparently they went to church, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This also is vanity, meaningless. What's the point? What's the purpose? Here's this guy, led a wicked, unrighteous, evil life, and he dies. Everybody forgets him, and he goes to the grave, and that's it. What's the point? Have you noticed how that everyone speaks well of the deceased after they're gone, of course? I was thinking about a particular memorial service that I did many years ago on the mainland, and I knew the guy. The guy, he was saved, went on to be with the Lord, but man, I... <laughs> Here was his family members and friends, and man, they would just blast him and talk stink about him all the time. And then I did the memorial service, and then of course they have the eulogy, and everybody has that time of sharing, and they're passing the microphone around. And oh my goodness, I thought to myself, is this the same guy that we're doing the memorial service for? They're just going on. Oh, it was so, I'm thinking to myself, really? Last week you were saying this about him, and now it's like, ah, oh, you know. It reminded me of a story that I heard many, many years ago, and I actually went online and I found it. I was so glad. I want to share it with you. It's so humorous and it's so apropos. The story is told of two brothers who were rich but very wicked. 
Both lived a very wild life, using their wealth to cover up the dark side of their lives. They attended the same church and gave large sums to various church-related projects. Suddenly, one of the brothers died, and the pastor was asked to preach at his funeral. The surviving brother gave the pastor an envelope and said, here's a check that will pay for the entire amount needed for your new sanctuary and your building project. I only ask this one favor. Tell the people at the funeral that my brother was a saint. Pastor's like, well, I can't really do that in all honesty and and in my integrity before the Lord. But he wanted the check, of course, for the building project. Who wouldn't? So he came up with an idea, and he gave the brother his word that he would do it. He deposited the check in the bank, and the next day was the funeral. And this is what he said. This man was an ungodly sinner, wicked to the core. (laughs) But compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Isn't, Isn't laughter good? It's medicine to the soul, isn't it? It's medicinal. That's why God gave us laughter. It's so healing. That's why I like to laugh. Because I'm a sick man and I just need to laugh. (laughs) All right. Verse 11. (laughs) Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. In other words, because God doesn't carry out just judgment immediately, there's this misinterpreting of, hey, I got away with it. So, hey, God didn't judge me. I I did not see any execution of speedy judgment. And they misinterpret the grace and mercy of God, because God does not take any delight in executing judgment. I think about the Canaanites. He gave them 400 years to repent. He is slow to anger, abounding in mercy. God is a gracious God. He is a just God for sure, but he's a loving God, and he will always give man time to repent. And he wants man to repent. And so sometimes God will deem fit to delay judgment for evil, for sin. Never mistake that as God turning a blind eye to that sin. He is withholding the execution of speedy judgment because of His mercy. I think about what Paul wrote to the Romans again in chapter 2 verse 4, where he says it's the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. Interesting, it's not the judgment of God 
the harshness of God, the justice of God that leads a man to repentance. No, it's the kindness of God. It's when you're on the receiving end of both God's grace and mercy, because God's grace, as it's been said, is when God gives you what you don't deserve, and God's mercy is when God does not give you what you do deserve. I'll take both. (laughs) Where do I sign? God's grace and God's mercy. And here's the thing, God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God, but there will come a time where the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. There is that window of opportunity. You've been on the receiving end of God's kindness, God's grace, God's mercy. But at some point, if you continue to harden your heart and stiffen your neck against it, then judgment will come. But don't mistake it as God letting you get away with it, just because God's hand of discipline and judgment does not come immediately. Verse 12, though a sinner does evil a hundred times, and his days are prolonged, yet I surely know that it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him. But it will not be well with the wicked, nor will He prolong His days, which are as a shadow, because He does not fear before God. Okay, we're good so far. Okay, someone's righteous. God blesses him, gives him a long, prosperous life, because he fears God. You got this other guy, by way of a contrast, who's wicked, and he does not fear God. And so God does not prolong His days. That makes sense. That adds up, right? I can reconcile that. But that's not how it always happens, right? Because you got the wicked man over here that seems to live this long, prosperous life. And you have this righteous man over here that is walking in the fear of the Lord. And that's not the case for him. I think about the psalmist in Psalm 73. One of the most, well, I say that about all the psalms, but (laughs) Psalm 73 is perhaps amongst the most poignant when it comes to the envying of the wicked man who seems to just have such a blessed and easy life, especially when you as a righteous man are experiencing nothing but difficulty and struggles and trials. And so the psalmist is very candid and opens up his heart and puts to pen, pens these words about how it really messed him up. This ain't right. Here I'm walking righteously in the fear of the Lord. And here's this guy over here. He's as wicked as wicked can be. And he he has no problems. Everything's going smoothly in his life. You know what my daily lot as a righteous man walking in the fear of the Lord is? Nothing but difficulty and hardship. That ain't right. That's not fair. And you go through the psalm and he's describing this wicked man. It's kind of like everything he touches just turns to gold. I mean, no problems. Everything is just going great for him. And, And the psalmist in this very honest and even uncomfortable moment, says what? 
I've cleansed my heart, walked uprightly in vain. I mean, what's, what's the point? It doesn't make any sense to me. How can this be? I mean, wouldn't it stand to reason? I mean, just logically, reasonably, that the wicked man should have a horrible life and the righteous man should have a wonderful life. Right? That's what we think. That, that would be fair. <laughs> Wait a minute. We live in a fallen, unfair world. So it doesn't work like that. And that's what Solomon is saying here. He's really struggling with this. He says, verse 14, there is a vanity which occurs on earth, that there are just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked. Again, there are wicked men to whom it happens according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. It's messed up. That ain't right. In other words, the good have it bad, and the bad have it good. What is up with that? That ain't right. That's not fair. What's the point then? What's the purpose in walking in righteousness? What's, you might as well live as wickedly as you want, because it makes no difference. Keep in mind, that Solomon is fully given over to what we would refer to today as a backslidden state. Remember now, God is out of the picture. This is what you get. This doesn't make any sense. Well, no wonder, because you've taken the one, the only one that can make sense out of anything, and you've taken him out of the equation. So no wonder it's messed up. Actually, we're going to talk more about this here in a moment as we get to the end of the chapter. Verse 15, so I commended enjoyment. I mean, why not? I mean, this is how it is. Might as well just live it up. Because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry, for this will remain with him in his labor all the days of his life, which God gives him under the sun. In other words, you might as well just drink, eat, be merry. That's just how it is. You might might as well just enjoy it while you can, because it doesn't make any difference. I mean, what's the point? It's, It's meaningless. Well, of course it is, Solomon. You're living your life absent God, who is life. And as long as you're going to insist, even demand, that this life that you're trying to make sense out of, that is so unfair under the sun? No wonder. How about this, Solomon? And again, we're going to have to wait till chapter 12 to get there. How about instead of living life under the sun, how about you live life over the sun? You're trying to make sense out of something without God. Thanks for joining us today for In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, a book written by King Solomon. Solomon is known as one of the wisest kings to ever live, but that doesn't mean he always made the wisest choices. In Ecclesiastes, we read the words of Solomon with both hope and warning. We hope because the Lord is faithful in every season, and we read with warning, for tomorrow is not promised. Or as Solomon writes, Life is vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. How will you choose to live your life this year? 
with hope in the Lord or with sorrow in the world. Learn from Solomon and put your hope in the lasting things, the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope today's teaching has inspired and encouraged you to continue learning from God's Word. You can connect with us by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just click on Contact under the About tab. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter, and you're welcome to interact with us there. Pastor J.D.'s teachings are also available on YouTube. Links to all of these are available at our website. If you don't currently have a home church, we want to encourage you to find and begin attending a church in your area. If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Just check out InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com for more. We hope you'll join us next time for another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Give me truth to